today, um, wasn't that just a wonderful time worshipping together? We have those moments, don't we, sometimes? I don't know about you, but you just feel a, a, a different kind of connection with the Lord. And I just felt like I was here going, yeah, Jesus, look at my friend. Isn't he just amazing? He is just so beautiful. We sang that, didn't he? You know, isn't he beautiful? There is nobody like him. It's just amazing. And today we are looking at our series on consecration. It's our, our sixth week of being consecrated. And um, we've been doing kind of looking at how to be apprentices um, to Jesus. And so that's why I'm going to continue that today. So Nigel has been, in fact, do you know what I mean? Sorry, I've got to just pause a minute. Lord, help me. (laughs) Take my time. I think today I just feel overwhelmed by his goodness and his kindness to us and the fact that he just comes to meet us. Isn't that the most wonderful thing? Let's go back to the script. So as a church family, if you've been travelling with us for a while, you'll know that we are in this season of consecration. It's a word which means being dedicated to a sacred purpose. Buzz, are you all right to press the buttons while you're doing that already? Thank you. Being devoted exclusively, and we're talking about to Jesus, being given entirely to him, being set apart. And in the Bible, those people who set themselves apart, who were dedicated to Jesus, called disciples and over the past couple of weeks Nigel's helped us think about being a disciple or a follower or some may call it an apprentice we've been talking about that we've been talking about the three goals of people who are apprentices they're people who need to be with Jesus they're people who become like Jesus and they're people who do the things that Jesus does and Nigel said a couple of weeks ago that this isn't original material this has come from a really helpful Bible teacher called John Mark Comer who is over in the States and he just has some real clarity around looking at these things and so today we're looking at how we can become like Jesus and after the worship time we've had I think oh wow I want to be like that I want to be like this Prince of Peace I want to be like this beautiful majestic amazing incredible compassionate man don't you (laughs) Let's be transformed and be like him. You know, we're looking at apprenticeship, and my granddad um, was once an apprentice engineer many, many years ago now, and he used to tell us what it was like. When you're an apprentice, you're somebody who kind of learns on the job. And my granddad used to say, talk about how he kind of had to work hard learning the job, but there were also those times when the people who actually really knew the job used to tease them. And I don't know if you know any of these stories from people that you know who've been apprentices, but my granddad was certainly sent to the stores one time and told to ask for a long wait. And he was expecting to come back with this big thing. And actually, he was just waiting, sitting on a bench for a good hour or so. And then he was also told to go to the stores on a different occasion and asked to have a runaround. So then they sent him from one place to the next place to the next place. And that took most of the day. And it might be that you, even as an apprentice, have been sent to the stores sometime and asked for a new bubble for the spirit level. Anyone been asked for that? <laughs> but there are all kinds of things that you can do to kind of to, to tease apprentices because they don't know fully, they don't completely know or understand the whole job. And Jesus, in Luke chapter 6, talks about apprentices or disciples or students, it says in this translation. In Luke 6, verses 39 and 40, it says... Jesus gave the following illustration. Can one blind person lead another? Won't they both fall into a ditch? Students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. And the point of being an apprentice is to become like the teacher. So if you're an apprentice hairdresser, then your goal is not to spend the day sweeping up and tidying up and sorting things out, ordering the shampoo. 
that you actually want to learn to cut and style hair. And this takes intentional training. You're not just let loose with a pair of scissors one day, but you have to watch someone else, you have to learn how to do it, and then you have to have a go under supervision until you're fully trained and ready to do it yourself. And those of us who go to hairdressers are very glad that there are processes where people do that. In fact, I was looking online um, the other day about kind of disaster haircuts, and I thought, oh gosh, I can't even put some of the pictures up because they look so terrible about what's happened when you've been to the hairdresser or even, shame, shame, done it yourself. I went to the hairdresser last time and I was late having an appointment and I was really frustrated about my fringe. Anyone got fringe and know that feeling where it just feels like it's really getting your eyes? So I thought it didn't really matter and I got my nail scissors and I just had a little trim and as soon as I walked through the door, the hairdresser, she looked at me and she said, what have you done? <laughs> So during the, the knowing eye knew what to do, and it took her a while, but she managed to sort it out. But it does take time to be trained. And as we see from this verse, you can have a student who is fully trained. And so that implies that you can also have students who are partially trained, who know some of what they need to know. And to be fully trained takes us time. And our goal as followers of Jesus is to become like him. We don't just want our lives to look a bit better. You know, I was talking to somebody a week or so ago who said, I'm just really tired of putting on a mask and pretending that everything is okay. And the good news about following Jesus is that we don't have to do that, but we can see change and we can see transformation in our lives. Where we are now today isn't where we have to always be. In 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18, it says, The Lord is spirit that the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. And the word change, the Greek word there, I don't speak Greek, but I'm told, is the, word, the same word for metamorphosis, the complete change that happens when you have a caterpillar who changes into a pupa. Do you remember this from biology lessons at school? And then is transformed into a butterfly. And if you look at a caterpillar or you look at a pupa or chrysalis, doesn't look anything like the end result. But that's the same word, the same word for transformation in this passage, that the Lord is changing us. If we are followers or apprentices to Jesus, we are being changed. I don't know about you, but I think that's a relief for me. And it's a massive encouragement. But it might be that you're looking at your life today and you see, I long to see that change. But actually, if I look at what's happened in my life over the past year or two years or five years, I don't actually see very much change. And the encouraging news for today is that you can. You don't have to stay as you are. And whether you've been following Jesus for a long, long time, or whether you have only just come to know him, or whether you're even on that journey of just investigating and trying to find out, the truth and the encouragement is that there is change, that God can come, and as we work with him, we can be changed. So how does this kind of apprenticeship, this change, happen? How do we come from being just the starters, the apprentices, to becoming partly and partially trained and then fully trained to be more like Jesus? Well, some people think that maybe coming along to a church, even a wonderful church like this, is what's going to make the difference. If you rock up here every Sunday, if you sing the songs, then you are going to become changed. And I guess there is some sense of truth in that. But evidence shows that there are lots of people who rock up at church every week and sing the songs, and actually their lives aren't any different. There are plenty of really good people who've been church for many years, but aren't any, much, any closer to living like Jesus than they were when they came. 
The way that they deal with money is the same. The way that they cope with anxiety is the same. The way they deal with their sexuality is the same. You know, I don't know if you heard last week, but Nigel said something really challenging. He said, when Jesus said, don't worry, what did he mean? And we all said, oh, don't worry. But how many of us have worried this week? Is there a situation that is just on your mind and your heart and it is worrying away, it's worming away at you? And yet Jesus is saying, don't worry. And you might think, gosh, the chasm is too wide from where I am now, I'm a worrier. And Jesus is saying, don't. But the good news is that you can become that person who does what Jesus says, who doesn't worry. Some people think that coming onto church may be the way that you become more like Jesus. Some people think that having a dramatic encounter with God is the thing that changes you and you become like Jesus. And maybe during the worship time or maybe during the ministry time or maybe in your time at home, you get an incredible impact of God's power. Maybe you shake, maybe you fall over, maybe you see an angel, maybe you have a vision, whatever it is. And these experiences are really amazing and hugely encouraging. And yet on their own, they honestly don't bring change. I don't know how many of you were around years ago when there was the, the Toronto blessing, when there was that time when we saw the Holy Spirit kind of moving in power and people kind of what we, being impacted by God's power in lots of different ways. And yet at the time I remember somebody saying, look, it's not how you go down that makes any difference. It's actually how you come up. When we have these power encounters with God, we have a choice, and we'll talk about this in a minute, but they aren't going to change us on their own. Apprenticeships need a lot of work. You know, before I did this job, I was an environmental health officer. I used to work for the council and go and deal with noise and smoke and smells and food hygiene and health and safety, all that kind of stuff. And I used to have to get up really early in the morning. Um, I used to have to, well, it was really early for me as a student then. I used to have to get up before five and go to a slaughterhouse um, to learn about animal parts and learn about what liver flukes look like. And then I had to get up other, other days really early in the morning to go to the markets and learn about different exotic fruit and veg and how to name them and all those kind of things. And I didn't like it. It wasn't much fun, but it was what I had to do. It was a requirement of my course. And to do that, I managed to, look, to learn what liver flukes look like. I could show you what a liver fluke looked like, like if you'd like to know, or tell you about these different things that I've learned. And the first few times I went, I didn't really have a clue of what I was doing, but over time, as I practiced, as I read the books, and as I studied, as I watched other people, I learned how to identify those things and how to do that job well. And the same is true, isn't it, if you want to be a doctor or a lawyer or a plumber or an electrician, any of those things, we have to do some work and we have to learn. And becoming like Jesus, wouldn't it be wonderful? Wonderful, I woke up next morning and I'm just, oh, I'm just so much like Jesus. But it doesn't happen like that. We don't just wake up and change. Actually, this requires a little bit of work. And that's what we're going to look at in the next few minutes. Now, before you say, hey, wait a minute, we can't work to earn God's love, you're absolutely right. God loves us and God is for us and he's the one who initiates all of this thing. But there is a truth that as he comes and brings change, then we have to cooperate and partner with him. We have to work with him in order to see ourselves becoming like Jesus. And so perhaps you're here and you've been following Jesus for a long time, but you feel really discouraged about what's going on around you. You feel really discouraged about your Christian life. You feel really cross that you're still addicted to something that you've been trying to stop or give up. 
You can't understand why your marriage is still in a mess. You don't really feel this internal change that you've really longed for. And if that's you, then the amazing thing is there's hope. And there are four different elements to this. And those four elements are God's part, the Holy Spirit at work in us. Spiritual disciplines, we have to do some work. Being together in community, how we rub up against one another. And then the experiences of life and what we choose to do with those. And so what we're going to do is we're just going to look through each of those things now. So the first and the most important is obviously the work of the Holy Spirit. This is God's effort. This is God's part in this. And you know, I heard somebody say recently, God's the one who does the heavy lifting. He's the one, the Bible says it's his kindness who leads us to, that leads us to repentance. That's in Romans 2, verse 4. If you are anyway on your journey with Jesus, just looking at that or actively following him, it's only because he's initiated it. It's because he loves you so much that he's calling you to himself and he's saying, come on, I want you with me. I love you so much. I'm not going to leave you on your own. You are welcome. You are part of the family. You're mine. And he's the one who starts that and he's the one who works in us. And so we do pray. We pray that God will come this morning. We've been praying, Holy Spirit, would you come and fill this place? Would you come and meet each person who comes through the door today? Would you come and do your part in wooing them and drawing them to yourself? And he does. God comes. But then a few weeks ago, Nigel also highlighted to us John chapter 15. It's a familiar passage to some of us, which talks about the vine and the branches. And in John 15, it tells us that Jesus is the vine and that we are the branches. Oh, sorry, thank you. That was a great quote, though. Should we knit back to that one, Buzzy? That was a brilliant quote from John Wimber that I missed, which talks about how we have to partner with God. We have to work. It's not just the case of knowing what's in the book. We don't have just to be literate and know what it says. We've actually got to do what it says. And then thank you. Let's go on. Here's the vine. Now look, Jesus, God, who's represented by that thick, chunky bit. And I'm represented by that little, wind, little thin, wispy bit. He's the one who does the, the heavy lifting. And if you remember when Nigel read in John 15, it talks about the vine and the branches. And it talks about abiding, about remaining in him. We can't bear fruit unless we're connected to him. And I think there are three different parts about abiding. It's a funny old world, isn't it? You know, if you're a football, is it football or rugby where they sing abide with me? Football. I'm not a, a football fan, but, you know, abiding is a funny old-fashioned word. But another more modern word be, would be kind of remain or stay connected or continue in. And so as we connect with Jesus, what it means for us to be the branch and for him to be the vine is, first of all, we have to have this first connection, a branch is connected to the vine and a vine to the branch. It's a mutual thing. Without that connection, there's no life. Without that connection, the sap can't flow. The nutrients, the goodness can't flow. But in order to have that connection, this is where the, the picture breaks down a little bit, we have to make a choice. Because the thing is that with us, God doesn't force himself on us. He woos us, he invites us, he draws us. But he doesn't force himself and we have to be the ones who say, yes, I want that connection, please. 
And so the first question is, have you got a connection with Jesus? And that sounds like a funny thing to ask people in church, doesn't it? But actually, maybe you've been coming just for a long time, and it's great and you're part of the church family here that you, you have good relationships, but you've never actually made that decision to choose to follow Jesus for yourself. And if you haven't, today is a great day for that. Today is a great day to give your yes to Jesus. In Revelation chapter 3, it says, Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. And if you open the door, I'll come in and I'll eat with you and you can eat with me. And people often use that as a a description of us inviting Jesus to have that kind of connection with us. We're the ones, there's a painting, a very famous painting that I don't have a picture today, but the door handle is on our side. We're the ones who need to choose whether or not we're going to open the door and give that connection to Jesus. Now, as well as connecting with him, we need to be dependent on him. We need to know that we need him. So it's one thing to say, yes, Jesus, I'm going to follow you, but then get on with our lives and our day. And actually, it's just good to remind ourselves that we actually can't do a right lot without him. Certainly can't change ourselves and our character without him. And then the third aspect of remaining or depending is actually reminding ourselves to keep coming back. Because the ultimate goal is that we'll always be every day going around and we're just aware of the presence of God and living out of that all the time. And maybe that's true for you, but it's honestly not true for me yet. Do you know, this week, I, um, something happened to me. Somebody said and did some stuff to me that was really hurtful and offensive. I was really cross and I was really upset. And helpfully for me, I was preparing this sermon. And so I was thinking about what it means to abide in Jesus when those things happen to you. And I know that I have a connection with Jesus. I'm very aware of that and that's a wonderful thing. And so number one, that's good for me. But number two... I had to actually acknowledge my need. I had to go back to Jesus and say, I'm really cross about this. I'm really hurt. I feel really offended. And I don't really want to do what I know I need to do. I know I need to forgive this person. I know I need to um, pray for them. But I feel churned up about this. And I need you to come and help me. And then the third thing was about keeping on returning. Because I actually sat, I I have a chair that I like to sit in um, where it just helps me to kind of calm down and that's often a place where I go and connect with God. So when I go there, I think, yeah, I know that's what I know that I'm doing. This helps me. And so I just went and sat in that chair and I said, God, I feel cross about this and I feel upset about this and my reactions are not, are not your reactions. I don't look like Jesus in this moment, so I need you to help me, please. As I sat there, nothing amazingly spectacular happened. There weren't any fireworks or anything, but I actually just felt God's peace and I actually felt he gave me an idea of what I could do to resolve the situation. And in truth, I have to have to go back to him several times since then about this situation. But as I choose to remember that I'm connected to him and to remember that I need him to help me because I can't do it on my own and to try and live in that place of keep going back so one day I will be abiding, then that's how change happens. So we've talked about God's part. He's the one who initiates all this. The second thing is about our part. This is where we have to put some work in. You know, as Nigel said last week, oh, Buzz, can you pop along the next slide, please, love? Thank you. Oh, no, sorry, he has. Sorry, where's one but? So this is what that, thank you. Sorry. So spiritual disciplines, they sound heavy. I don't know about you, but I don't like the word discipline. Sounds like hard work. 
And the truth is, it is hard work. Some of you, like Nigel said last week, are marathon runners. Some of you go to the gym regularly. You know that if you want to change the shape of your body or what you can actually do with it, you have to put the work in. You have to get up in the morning when you don't want to, when it's dark and cold or when it's raining, or you have to get your gym kit on when you get back home from work and go even when your body is crying out to lie on the sofa with a cup of tea and a bar of dairy milk. But you know, if you want your body to change its shape or if you want to get fitter, you've actually got to do those things. And the same is true with these spiritual disciplines. And we looked at these early in, in the year, so this is just a reminder. But in 1 Timothy 4, it says, physical training, that's like going to the gym, is good. But training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and the life to come. And the habits, the things that are on the, the bottom of the slide here, those spiritual disciplines are just things that Jesus did and things that help us become like him. They're ways that help us change who we are inside. I am greedy. I am selfish. I am impatient. And I'm distracted. I don't know why I had to write those things down because that's just... <laughs> and spiritual disciplines are a way of training myself to be satisfied with what I have. Putting other people first. Being patient and being peaceful. So when I fast from food, it's me saying to my hunger inside, be quiet. You're not important here. When I have times of solitude and quietness and sitting, it's me saying to the part in me that gets really distracted and busy and over-interested, just be quiet. You know, don't they say you feed what you want to grow and you starve what you want to, to kill? And if there are things that are inside your heart and inside your character that you don't like, then you can actually do some stuff about that. If you say that God is the thing you most love in life, but you spend two hours each day on social media and five minutes reading your Bible, you love Instagram more than God. If you love your family more than your job, you say you love your family more than your job, but you keep saying yes to more unnecessary overtime, you really love work more than your family. And actually some of these disciplines are things that we can, and I say, would say need to, learn to put into practice because they're things that get our loves in order. And so I thought about a bit of a challenge for us as a church family. We're obviously in the run-up to Christmas. We're really excited about celebrating Jesus' birthday. And we have a season of Advent coming up, which starts in a couple of weeks' time. And Advent is getting ready for Christmas, but as well as that, it's also us looking forward to Jesus coming back. And I thought, what if this Christmas, rather than spending every day eating another chocolate from my Advent calendar... What if I was just intentional and each day just did one thing that was going to help me get my heart ready to talk for Jesus? What if every day I just had a candle, an Advent candle maybe, and just sat quietly for five minutes and thought about him whilst that was burning? And what if each day I chose to read or learn part of the Bible? You know, maybe in the week I could learn some verses. I don't know what it'd be for you, but I wonder if there's something that you might choose to do. In fact, someone was talking to me about fasting the other day. And um, I don't know if you know, but there are a, a number of us, a group of us, who on Tuesdays regularly fast some meals and we pray. And so if you think you'd love to start fasting but you don't really know how to, you'd be really welcome to join us. How I do it is that I have my meal with the family on Monday night and then I don't have my breakfast and lunch on a Tuesday and then I eat with the family on Tuesday night. That's just how it works for me. And I'm not saying you have to do it like that, but sometimes it's just helpful, isn't it, to kind of 
blow it open and kind of explain how things work. And so if that's you and you want to find out some more of that about that, why don't you come and talk to me? Because I find that as I'm saying no to being hungry and feeling hungry, in my heart, I'm saying, Jesus, I'm really hungry. And actually, would you make that my hunger for you? Make me more hungry for you. Not for my lunch, but for you. And it's the same with any of these different disciplines. Okay, so let's move on. We've talked about God's effort. We've talked about our effort. And the third thing is about being in community. Community is the context for us to become apprentices. You know, Jesus' disciples were disciples with an S on the end. There wasn't just one of them. There were a team of them working together. And when we're in community, it brings two things, exposure and encouragement. And for exposure, what I mean is it helps us see what we're really like. When I'm on my own and I'm reading my Bible and I'm worshipping and it's just me and Jesus, I'm a really nice person. But when you put me with other people, that's where when I rub up against other people, I see what's going on in my heart. I see where I feel selfish or cross or impatient or whatever those things are. And community is a place where we can get to see what we're really like. We can be exposed for who we really are. And yet the most amazing thing is where it's godly community, we're loved for who we are and we're encouraged to change, not to stay as we are. And I know that lots of you have found community in Life Group or in the recovery course in different places. And just to give you a little heads up, um, next year, the beginning of the year, for three Wednesdays in January, we are going to have um, something we haven't done before, which is called Life Group Lows Large. We would love to invite more people to be part of these honest communities. And so what we're going to do is we're going to put tables in this room on a Wednesday evening. We're going to have a simple meal together. We're going to have um, a topic kind of introduced from the front. And then just like you would in your life group in your home, if you were going to one, we're going to have some conversations. We're going to just chat about the talk. And we'll have some time to pray together. And so if you've never been to a life group or you haven't been to a life group for a while or you just like to see what it's all about, I'd love to you to come in January to those Wednesday evenings. So book it in the diary. We'll put a, a note in the e-press for next week. But this is a place where we can get to have real conversations about who we are and what's going well and what's going badly. And we can encourage each other to grow and change. So we've talked about God's effort, we've talked about our effort, we've talked about being community. And then finally, I'm just going to look at some of our life experiences or the hard knocks of life. Because those are hugely formative, aren't they, into making us who we are. And life isn't easy. And to be honest, it's not really easy for any of us. And you might look at somebody and say, well, they have an easier deal than me. Maybe that's true. But for many of us, there are things going on that other people don't know about. I know in this room there are people who are struggling with difficult bosses in their workplace or people who need jobs. There are people whose family relationships are really fragmented or people who long to be in a family and they're not. There are people who are dealing with illness. There are people who are grieving. And in these hard times, we can choose what we're going to do about them. There's that familiar phrase, isn't it? You can let something, you can choose whether something is going to make you bitter or it's going to make you better. And in the midst of really hard times, if we make those choices to keep plugging in, to keep connecting with Jesus, to keep going back to him, to keep working on those disciplines even when we don't feel like it, to keep being honest in community, then over time we're going to see ourselves growing and changing. 
And we come the kind of, I love this, I'm going to read this next little bit to you because this is a description for me that I really loved. As we do these things, we become the kind of people for whom loving our enemy is easier than killing them, for whom trusting in God is easier than anxiety, for whom a mind full of the spirit is easier than being overcome by lust, for whom generosity and simple pleasures are easier than materialism, for whom emotional health and a sense of calm and self-control is easier than the busy, crazy life our culture seems to be pushing us towards. And so when we do go to the gym, we start with little weights, and over time, the weights get heavier. And then if we have to go and help an old lady with her shopping, we can pick up the bags and we can take them. And it's the same as we invest in these different areas. Each of these different things are helping us build our spiritual muscles. And so when the crises and when the difficult times come and when the heavy lifting is there, then our natural reaction can be to do the Jesus thing. And we'll find that over this period of time, we are becoming more like Jesus. So there is quite a lot to think about. And I just suppose, I wonder if today the challenge is really, so what's the next step for you on your journey? Perhaps it is something around that initial connection with God. Perhaps we could come back to that, um, how to become more like Jesus slide, Buzzy, please, with the, the mug on it. That's lovely, thank you. Perhaps there is a spiritual discipline that you want to put into practice for that period of Advent, maybe one that you've never tried before. Maybe you want to commit to being in community and having some real relationships. Or perhaps you're just in a desperately difficult life time now. And today, you just need to put your hand out and choose to grab onto Jesus's and make the decisions that he'd have you make in this situation. Why don't we stand together? I'm going to invite the band to come back. But before they start to play, let's just have a couple of minutes just to pause and think. What is it that the Holy Spirit is saying to you? So wonderful God, we thank you that you see us all as individuals and you treat us all as your wonderful kids who you love so much. We say that you're so welcome to come and do what you want to amongst us. Just bring to mind the things that you want us to do, the ways that you're working in us.